The Run Culture podcast has always been a passion project. It was created to share stories and experiences, to educate runners and to grow the sport. Ultimately, to show that running is cool. The podcast has provided us all opportunities to listen and learn from some interesting people in the running world. Welcome to the Run Culture podcast. My name is Dane Verway. I am an all-out running fan and an accredited running coach, a marathoner myself and an experienced physiotherapist that specialises in treating runners. So, before we get right into the show, if you have enjoyed any of the previous episodes of the Run Culture podcast and they have added value to your life and you want to support the podcast going into 2021, then we have a Patreon page. It's linked to in the show notes. A small monthly donation will go a heck of a way to keeping the show alive. By doing so, you too can also feel fulfilled that you are doing your bit to promote and grow the sport. Also, for those runners interested or in need, links to my online strength and conditioning course for runners or run therapy, my physiotherapy clinic, are also in the show notes. Alas, enough from me. Here's this week's interview. Pete, long time no see. Yeah, I'm back. That's good. Um, we've planned to tee up a bit of a podcast chat about the weekend. How fun was it? Oh, it was a blast. I had so much fun going to Sydney and the whole race experience and travel again, which was, yeah, it was, it was a blast. It would have been only about, oh, was it three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Um, yeah, I sort of brought up, tentatively brought up the idea, oh, would you be interested in um, pacing? Um, and I was a bit hesitant because I was like, oh, I'm not sure if it fitted in with your training and how interested you'd be. Um, and But then, um, yeah, as soon as you sort of said, oh, yeah, I'd love to, it'd be a great idea. Um, I left the ball in your court to book the flights and um, ended up doing it. Yeah, you, you didn't have to twist my arm too yeah. hard on that one. Yeah, I think the weeks prior to that, I didn't think I was... I always knew the race was coming up because I know you planned it so far ahead. I thought, oh, I'd love to go over and kind of be there at least or run. And each week kind of went on and then you're like, oh, how would you feel about pacing? As soon as you brought up the idea, I thought, I don't care what I have to do, that it's going to happen. I want to be there. Yeah, and I was so, so glad to um, yeah, have your support out there. Um, so for listeners that don't know what race we're talking about, um, over the weekend in Penrith in Sydney, uh, Athletics Australia put on a marathon for those that were interested um, and that had heard about it. And the marathon was uh, an attempt to try to run fast around the Penrith Olympic Rowing Regatta. And it was a loop course, and there wasn't that many in it. There probably uh, would have been maybe 20 or so runners on the start line. So it was so good to have you out there, Pete, so that I had about 17 kilometres of company. And then it was a very long 28 kilometres to finish, yeah. or tw- 20, 25 kilometres to finish. Yeah, it was, it was good being out there for that long. It's been with COVID and everything and then getting injured. I think I worked out it was probably 12 months since I'd raced on the road again. And with um, COVID taking races away, I just wanted to take any opportunity to race again. And, and um, yeah, it was good 
It was hard to get to 17k. I would have um, would have liked to um, go longer, but um, maybe next time. Yeah, no, I was I was happy that you just stopped it at 17. Um, the plan was 15, so you squeezed out a, a couple more k's, and I was thankful for that. Um, you were handing me my drinks uh, during the race, and um, yeah. I, I decided to go out a little bit harder in Sydney than I normally do and um, it, and then after the first 5k we went through in about 16.20 and uh, that was a lot quicker than I normally go my first 5k about I normally do about 16.50 50 or 17 minutes so going 30 seconds quicker for the first 5k um, I, su- I suddenly sort of realized that about 7k I was like oh I've got to run the whole race here so we did slow back a bit so it was good to have you because otherwise I would have been running by myself um I was sort of we were sort of on the back of Michael Roger, Jared Clifford um and Brad Carlerfeld, Jamie Cook um their their pack and it, it was just a bit too too quick for me um so yeah great to great to have you sort of along there uh it was a it was perfect weather uh, no wind at all, dead flat, really calm. Uh, so it couldn't have got better conditions. Uh, it's just the, the loop course had to be changed about uh, two, three weeks ago from the course that was originally planned because of the floods that Penrith experienced. So the course um, did get a bit repetitive um, with a few, uh, with a bit of a ramp. Um, uh, at one of the bridge crossings and then a, a bit of zigzagging. Um, but other than that, you can't complain. Like a lot of r- people ran well. Um, yeah, that was, um, ended up being a great experience. And um, I probably learned that I can't go out that fast. And so in terms of like using a growth mindset from the race, um, I was a bit disappointed with how I ran, but I was also, also um, learnt that, okay, I've learnt what my, what, what an upper limit kind of pace is and, and I think I'll be better for it. So hoping to do the Gold Coast Marathon in 10 weeks and I'll just recover from this and then I'll um, have a better idea what, what is, um, what's a, you know, a good pace to go out at, like in terms of shooting for a PB, but what's too much of a pace and, and what, what really got, got to me. Um, you're getting to about 15K, we went through at 50 minutes and 15 seconds. Um, so we were right on uh, 220 pace. Um, and, and uh, but even at that point, I sort of, sort of felt like it was gonna be a bit of a struggle to keep that pace. Um, so it, it's funny in the marathon how um, pace judgment is such a big part of it. And, and, it, and um, yeah, the marathon is such a beast and it, and it certainly won. <laughs> It beat me um, on the weekend, but it, um, but it, but yeah, got so much respect for it, and and I think, uh, yeah, you you just got to take the positives from from a performance where you're like a bit disappointed, and and I think, yeah, that's the, the that's the main takeaway for me is um, uh, I'm gonna still attack sort of Gold Coast, but just um, in a more in, in a more conservative way. So the first half go a bit more conservatively and then back back that hopefully um hopefully I've got the strength over the over the back end um and all the marathon preps and um build ups 
uh, in the legs so that um, yeah, I can get that PB that I'm still still after. Still just want to get another PB. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, it was probably the perfect race to try something different and, and attack it. Being a smaller field and yep. the whole occasion of being an Olympic marathon trial, it was a perfect opportunity just to, all right, let's, let's see if we can attack it the first. Yeah. Because I remember you saying we were only, we we're probably only 30 metres off Michael Roger's group and they were going sub for 220 pace so that was their plan and they never got any further away from us so we thought why sit 30 metres off a pack and be running by ourselves let's just slowly move up to them and just see how it how it goes and we went through the drink station it must have been 5k and then they started just <laughs> moving away at the drink station yeah I remember walking back thinking <laughs> Do we really want to yeah. try again and go for yeah. this? Or <laughs> and, and I think it was definitely the the smarter move just to yeah do our own thing for a bit. And yeah, no, you're right. Like that's what I sort of had this moment at about three k, where I was like, well, wh- why are we here? Like, it, and and really the the purpose was to it was a big occasion. It did feel like um like you're running with a lot of big names and. It, um, and it, and it was such a perfect day, um, in terms of weather, it was a flat course. So like I've done, you know, 10 marathons where I have been really conservative at the start. And I just wanted to like, you know, if I look back on my running career, realize that, oh yeah, not have that idea of like, oh, I wonder what would happen if I went out just to touch quicker. Like I wonder if after, you know, so many marathon buildups and doing it for a few years now, whether I could handle handle that and and obviously it didn't work but I think that's the thing with running is um, no matter what level you're at um, you're always trying to test the boundaries and and work out uh, you're not sort of um, said resting on your laurels you so you, and you're still just um, testing things and trying things and and sometimes they don't work sometimes they work and if, if they work you look like a genius and and, and it's um, and you you know but at the same time, it, um, yeah, I was, I was wrapped that we tried, and um, and I was wrapped to just finish in the end. Um, but uh, how about um, Jared Clifford and and Michael Roger? What a day it was for them! Yeah, that's that's you couldn't have asked or dreamt for them a better day than that. Yeah, because they were. I remember we saw them the day before when we were out for lunch, and they were full of confidence, and they. They were going to go through halfway in um, 69 and really, really attack it. And yeah. Yeah, they had a good group around them. And wow, did they, they run well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and Jared Clifford, his build-up was just, um, it was something else. Um, he showed me his Strava after the race and, you know, he'd been averaging about 80 kilometres a week. He said he hadn't done a proper long run for about three weeks because he'd been targeting the 1500 at nationals and then uni games and did the tan race the day before in melbourne caught the flight after that um so you know pretty unorthodox taper and then he accidentally breaks the world record for his classification um runs 219 low on debut um at is he 20 21 yeah 21 which is just yeah oh you go and him like Doing that race at the tan the day before, 
He ran 11.09 around the pan, which is like insane feet on its own. Yeah. And then jump on a plane, go all the way to Sydney to pace like his best mate, training partner, Michael Roger, to who also broke his classification world record. And like he's just a selfless individual and it was so great to see. And yeah, he just, I remember hearing him talk about it after the race and he, the way he described it was just, he was out there helping Michael break his world record and just, oh, I'll go one more lap and yeah. I'll try and get one more lap out. I'll just go as long as I can. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's a rare, rare to see someone just give everything like that Yeah. to help someone else. Yeah, it speaks volumes of their team um, under Philo Saunders. Um, they really, you know, do um, care about each other's performance and... Um, they're very, you know, selfless team and um, really buy into each other's um, results and performances and and um, yeah, it was uh, apparently Jared like once he stopped um, what he thought was his pacemaking duties at thirty odd k, didn't he lay down on the grass? And yeah, thirty six k. He stepped off and at that stage, um, well, Michael ended up running two eighteen fifty three. So they were on sub 219 pace when he stepped off. He had a little walk around and waited on the grass. I thought, that's one hell of an effort. He's given <laughs> everything he's got. Yeah. And then I remember uh, Phil Saunders, their coach, run up to him and said, finish. You can jog it in and you'll break the world record. Next second I walk back over and he jumped, he jumped straight up and he's back on the course. And he just... I thought he's he's gonna lie there for a while. He's he's done, but to get up and finish on when you've never never run at that speed for that long. Yeah. And to just have the mindset to all right, I'm gonna finish this thing is yeah, it was crazy to see. It's interesting. I I wonder if it was a course that would suit him, like having his visual impairment, because it was a repetitive course and nine laps. Um, there were moments where he was hitting a lot of cones. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a few cones just knocked over, and I was like, "Oh, that was definitely definitely yeah. from Cliffy." Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess like um, you also like when we were for that brief moment that we were running in their group, um, uh, you could hear them all talking and and sort of counting each other into or Cliffy into the corner, um, and Sam Harding, um, the other visually impaired pacemaker at that time. Sort of, they were um, making sure that they knew that you know it was um, ten meters, five meters until the the hairpin turn, and um, yeah, so great, great effort. Um, Just shows how much of a talent he is, because yeah, um, he said at one point when Philo dropped out, he wasn't getting drinks or anything. Yeah, after fifteen k, because he couldn't see. <laughs> No proper like yeah. um, carboid either yeah. in the lead in, and yeah. just to come out and run two nineteen low on debut just well that's off essentially fifteen hundred meter training so um, yeah he's one to watch and he might have found his calling and 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 found 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 that he he might be uh you know have a bit of potential over the marathon distance if he really oh, wants to just, head yeah, that way it adds another event potentially for Tokyo which. Yeah. He wasn't expecting going into the race. Yeah. It was, yeah, both of those times qualified Michael and Jared for the 
Tokyo Olympic, uh, Paralympic Games later this year. And um, it was good that they got a bit of media coverage. Um, I saw a, a bit of a snippet on both, both of them um, on Channel 7 News um, later that night. Um, so it was definitely a newsworthy story. Um, yeah, um, particularly um, when you go out to pace your mate and then you ended up finishing the whole thing and, and running a world record and, and just his um, preparation. So, yeah, it was great to be a part of it and, and see that. And then Caden Shields, um, um, yeah, good, good friend of mine, um, New Zealander, came over from New Zealand and was actually staying where we were staying um, in Emu Plains. Um, and that was a bit of a coincidence. Um, didn't work that out until we actually were over there. Um, but yeah, he, he had big um, goals for the race. He wanted to run 2.11.30 and try to um, etch his name on the um, start list for the Tokyo Olympics. Um, the, the He went out really hard and had Benny St. Lawrence helping pace him and he went through halfway um, in in sort of a, was it about 66? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that's, because he said even early on halfway it was going to be tough to go out in sub 66 so yeah he was hoping to kind of bring it home i think but yeah i think about around about 66 through half yeah and then that's when ben stepped off and and then suddenly caden was by himself and he found that patch of the course quite hard because it's a long way from home uh stranded by himself and obviously had gone out you know quite quick and and you know he has a 215 marathon pb to his name and he was he was well under pace, um, and then it yeah it got got pretty hard out there. And um, having a chat to him after the race, he s soon saw that um, Dave Ridley was um, having a, a fantastic day and and um, was definitely making inroads and catching him um, in second place. And so suddenly his goals changed. He, he knew he was falling off that Olympic qualifier pace, and he um, he he was like, oh, I've got to try to win this race now. Um, so. He um, suddenly found something over that last 10K and finished in 32 minutes low, I think. So Yeah, his last five, uh, 10K splits were yeah, low 16s, and the ones before that, I think, were kind of drifting towards um, close to 16.30. Yeah. You could definitely see a change yeah. in how he was running the last 10K. Because um, at one point you thought, oh, Dave's looking really strong out there. Um, Dave Ridley, that is. Yeah. And thought, oh, does he have enough road to kind of catch him? He's looking a bit stronger than Caden at that stage. But, yeah, Caden was able to find something the last the last 10K, which was good to see. Yeah. Um, no, nah, it was it was a great race. And um, uh, those two, um, yeah, were probably the other standout performances, I thought. Um, yeah, just seeing Dave Ridley run a two-minute PB on that course, Uh um, was sort of chatting to the guys after it and um, was sort of trying to... Um, one of the, my theories why he ran so well is because the course was very similar to his um, beloved Albert Park where he does so much of his training. Um, but he was very good because he ran by himself, you know, most of the way once Nick Earl um, sort of fell off because off, um, they went out together. Um, yeah, I've, you got anything else to say about the race, Pete? Oh, um, no, I think we... We're both in the new kit. 
Oh yeah. Yeah, the, new run culture kit. Oh, I can't wait for those photos to yeah to come out. <laughs> yeah, so I'm oh, pretty um proud of um the new uh, run culture um shorts and singlet that we've um come up with as a team. So we sort of spent a couple of months um brainstorming the ideas um for a new singlet and and the colours and and the design and. The design is um, meant to, it actually is a filtered um, vision of, of, of Arthur's seat, uh, which is um, a pretty iconic um, hill um, on the Mornington Peninsula. And then you've got the um, beach and the coast um, in the backdrop. Uh, and yeah, so pretty wrapped with um, how they've turned out and got pretty positive feedback uh, so far. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. <laughs> they're here and... It'll be available soon, I think. Yeah, so um, that was good and, and, and it felt good to run in. Um, I'm just checking what we had for a little brief. Um, yeah, so then pretty much um, we made the most of our experience, didn't we, Pete? Um, yeah, the day before we ch- briefly checked out um, the edge of the Blue Mountains um, and, then the, and then after our race we had a couple of hours in Sydney and just jumped on the ferry checked out um the the opera house and then the, the harbour bridge and that was pretty good for you because that was um yeah that was your first time in sydney yeah i've always always wanted to go to sydney but um just never never had the funds or the opportunity to go so i was glad we made the the most of what we could and yeah they um after a long day of travel on friday because we didn't leave Melbourne until eight thirty at night. Yeah. So, and trying to trying to work out how to get to Emu Plains <laughs> at eleven o'clock at night was a definitely a fun experience to start yeah. with. <laughs> yeah, we ended up going with the train, and um, uh, yeah, it was good. Um, we probably um, used a little bit of all um, Sydney's public transport <laughs> in the end: um, Uber, train. Um, over the weekend, that is, um, the ferry system, um, yeah, uh, it was, um, yeah, great, great experience and um, one that I'll certainly remember and um, I think um, what uh, made it quite special was it's on the back of COVID and, um, you know, trips like this have been um, pretty far between, so uh, it's great just um, doing little trips like that and you forget how... Um, uh, how special you know some of those moments are um, just sharing it with other people um, and just doing something different like just breaking the mold and getting out of your own backyard um, and uh, uh, yeah just going on a bit of an adventure I guess and yeah so Saturday we um, we hung around in emu plane for a little bit and then we I can't remember the town we went to that was at the bottom of um, oh, like yeah. the edge of the Blue Mountains. Yeah, started with Al. I think it was, I think it was Lap, Lapstone. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. we went up to Chambers Lookout. Yeah. Which is um, probably about 10 minutes up, sort of, pretty much at the base, you could say, of the Blue Mountains. Yeah. And yeah, we went up there to look at the views and yep. yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, yeah, that Blue Mountains, it just sort of gives you a bit of an idea of how big it is because that was the start of it um, and it just seemed to look like it went on forever. Yeah, because I think we're like another 
45 minutes away from the proper base of the Blue Mountains where all the like waterfalls and stuff. Yeah, are. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah I think that was an hour train trip yeah. still to Katoomba um, and Wentworth Falls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, even that, even that spot of the Blue Mountains, you can still see over the whole, um, like just the whole landscape of the Blue Mountains is just incredible to look at. Yeah. Yeah, and then Pete, I'd be interested to hear, um, you know, what are your sort of takeaways from the experience and um, like uh, just personally and uh, where to from here for you? Yeah, this was like, this was a big turning point, I think, for me personally with my running. Yeah. Because like confidence was kind of like, it seemed like it was there, but I just hadn't proven myself to be running where I'd fucked to post-injury. Like, I thought I was back, and, like, training suggested that I was getting closer, but being in a race of going 15K, that was going to be a different story. Because I'd done, I'd done longer tempos and thresholds and stuff, and like I was saying to Mattress yesterday, I was confident in those sessions thinking oh this is quick i'm getting back and then i look and it's like 330s or 335s and like that's it's not where i need to be yeah going into gold coast half yeah so this was the kind of race it was either gonna go well and i was gonna be in there till 15 plus k or i was gonna struggle through 10k and then realize i've got a lot of work to do before yeah gold coast but i don't know Going on the plane and everything gave me time to think about it and thought, I'm just going to go into the race and enjoy it. Yeah. It's not every day I get to say that I'm standing on a Olympic trials marathon start yeah. line. And, yeah. And yeah, got to the start line and just all the doubts and everything were just gone. And yeah. It was like I was kind of home in the sense that I've done this before. It's just, an, it's another start line and yeah. just go out there and have fun. Yeah. No, um, like I think uh, if you asked me about four or five weeks ago, um, you know, I, I, I still would have had, you know, some, some doubts of whether you could do um, 17Ks at 320s um, in four or five weeks' time. But um, there was just a few sessions, um, yeah, around about the time that we started talking about you, you doing this pacemaking gig where uh, things started to turn around um, um, but uh, yeah, you've done it pretty quickly, and um, and I and I think um, testament to um, your improvement, your quick improvement recently. I reckon it's um, because you've worked quite hard in the gym and, and done a few different things while you're out injured. Um, you know, over December, and um, it is testament to um, yeah all the all the hard work that you sort of. Um, were putting in, um, yeah, over that over that time, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, I'm looking at the splits and everything, I pretty much run half marathon PB pace, yeah, seventeen k, and it didn't feel like I was like yeah. running PB pace for seventeen k. Yeah, just felt like I was aware of everything. My legs felt good. There was no where last time when it was actually me racing at that pace. Yep. get to 17k and wheels slowly start to fall off and it, you realize you're racing where this time it was 
Yet I was aware of everything because my legs felt great. It felt strong. Felt yeah. like I was carrying my my body well across the ground and yeah. grabbing your drinks and yeah. everything. It just yeah. uh, I think being there for you and not me racing it gave like a different perspective of the race itself. Yeah. Instead of thinking, all right, five k in, got to get to ten k. All right, I'm at this pace and this yeah. time and it's like right i got to grab drinks and yeah be aware of where the packs are and yeah if we're going to move up or stay here and yeah it just kind of the way you think about how you're racing kind of different yeah and it's funny um because i've heard a few people say that um and i think um that might have also been one of the positives of cliffy's race as well you know he was purely there for roga um and had he known that he was going to do the full marathon before it, I think mentally you can um, sometimes really talk yourself out of the hurt and the pain and and um, no, um, and, and really um, overthink the suffering that's still ahead of you. Um, whereas if you're so present in the moment about, oh, now I've got to get a drink um, for, for Dane or for Roger or, um, and um, oh, now, you know, got to get out of the way at this point or, well, now I've got to catch up. Um, like you're just very much, um, uh, yeah, in the moment. Um, and I think sometimes like that's when um, you just focus on what you have to do and you're not focusing on, on the, the scary stuff ahead. And um, yeah, it's a, it's, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's that, and that's one of the big takeaways I think um, from, from the race is, um, you know, suddenly when you are racing for yourself and you're doing Gold Coast in 10 weeks' time and you've got Jess Dunsmore with you, um, uh, it, it, it's to try to harness some of the... Um, some of that, that kind of thought process too so that it doesn't become all-consuming to run a certain time and break 70 minutes. Um, I think you've got to try to um, harness, harness a little bit of that, oh, okay, well... Yeah, it's getting tough now, but what can I focus on right now to to um, just run better? Um, yeah, so it's a good learning experience, I reckon, too, because that's hard to do. Yeah, and yeah. I think, like, being injured and being on the side one, give, like I've said in previous podcasts, it gives a greater appreciation of the, the chances you get to be out there. And I think I approach races a bit differently now, not thinking so much heavily on time and when I'm chasing it just run hard and like be free out there almost yeah yeah that's kind of what i'm living by now yeah 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 really relishing the opportunity um yeah because um it far beats uh sitting on the sidelines um yeah and yeah i think i'll run better being a lot more relaxed like that yeah so this weekend um is the first round of the athletics victoria cross-country season uh frankston's uh got a couple of teams um you're the team captain, Pete. Uh, uh, so, yeah, you excited about Gels Park Relays this weekend? Yeah, it's been been two years now since cross-country went ahead because obviously COVID last year wiped off the season. And yeah, it's going to be so much fun to be back out there with the team and just watching all the clubs as well, getting like teams around and yep. just a lot of people being in the one place again. It's going to be, it's going to be a good, good day. Yeah, yeah, I think everything, everyone is, um, like, like I said just briefly before about just being able to travel again and, and do a trip like that Sydney trip, 
um, yeah, just being able to do some of these um, things uh, with, you know, a few people around um, uh, uh, like we used to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, um, uh, yes, yeah, so, so, so good. Like, it makes you so ha- happy. Like, it was um, such an enjoyable experience. Sydney, can imagine, like, just doing the normal cross-country season again and just getting the Frankston um, Bale Pigs team up and running and um, with their big rivalry with the MPAC um, Mornington Peninsula cross-country team down here on the peninsula. Get get that rivalry up and going because um, that's, that's just fun. Like, there's a lot of banter that gets thrown around um, and it just creates a bit of excitement about running down here on the peninsula. Yeah, it's definitely a healthy thing to... Like, having a rivalry like that, like, yeah, it seems serious, but a lot of the time, it's, it's really not. And yeah. Like, we all we all train together. Yeah. Like both clubs, essentially, when we get the chance. And yeah. Yeah, I think it just keeps everyone motivated and just... Yeah. Like, a bit of buzz and energy about round one. Yeah. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more, Pete. Well said. Um, yeah, no, I just wanted to go over some of the recent results from the rest of the squad, and then we'll wrap up... Um, yeah, I, I don't think we mentioned um, uh, since last uh, podcast um, about how um, Bevan Doers uh, went um, at the Box Hill um, burn, uh, five kilometres. Um, he went into the race, he was in the C race uh, with a 16, 18, 5K PB and he was hoping to break 16 minutes. Um, he had an absolute um, field day out there and uh, ran a 15, 35 and won the race, um, and it was just so awesome to see that result on the, well, we saw it live, but, you know, he was on the live stream, and um, he just had one of those fantastic days, um, uh, and, it, yeah, he's still buzzing about that that race, and um, it's given him a lot of momentum going forward into this year, because he's now um, doing university um, zoology in Geelong um, at Deakin Uni, and so he's still um, chipping away with his running training um, in Geelong. Uh, Damien Clark and Liam Hemingway both had half marathons um, only a couple of weeks ago. Damien did the Geelong half marathon and uh, really surprised everyone. Um, I was hoping he'd run 73 or 74 minutes and I would have regarded that as you know a fantastic day. Um, but yeah, he sort of um, probably, you know, sort of like, Cliffy did on the weekend showed that he's um yeah definitely a, an endurance um sort of um you know marathoner kind of guy like he ran seventy two minutes fifty nine and uh, yeah he was just over the moon with that result like he called me five minutes after he finished and he was absolutely buzzing so um, so good to see you know Damien once again another PB and take another big step in his running um, journey. Uh, two years ago, yeah, he, he was a 17-minute, 35-kilometre runner. Now he's doing quicker than that for four, five-kilometre runs in a row. So um, it's great to see, and, and it's testament to all the hard work he puts in. Um, and uh, it's just great that he um, was able to also um, listen to me over the last two weeks and, and really take a good two-week break. It's easy to get a bit sucked in with running and... and um, a bit obsessive with it, but um, he's still been very balanced and um, and holistic about the whole whole approach. So I was just as proud of him about his um, 
uh, approach to his rest period as he was as I was with his, with how well he went um, in that half marathon and and then Liam in Canberra uh, ran a seventy three minute half marathon too so Liam um, did that off forty to fifty kilometers a week and and when I started coaching Liam six months ago he was um, he just had the aim of like trying to enjoy his running and not be as injury riddled and he just felt like he was so inconsistent and always sore in his shins. Um, so to, to be able to um, consistently run over the last four months and not be sore and then to complete a half marathon, Liam, Liam was wrapped. And, and I must mention that the week before, he also beat me in a park run. So um, he's very talented and, um, and I think um, he's a perfect case in point where consistency is key and it's not necessarily how special each week looks just in their own. Um, and when you're just looking at one week in itself, but um, you know, having wrapped up four months of um, 40 kilometer weeks, um, he ran a 15, 28 park run um, a week before the half marathon. So uh, yeah, not doing anything super special um, when you look at just what, all the singular sessions, but um, the fact that we're starting to get him consistent and not injured, he's starting to make um, some, some big steps and then Jess Dunsmore, um, yeah, is now the course record holder for three park runs this year. So, um, yeah, since we last chatted, uh, he got the course record at Marriott Waters and Inverloch. Um, so, yeah, he continues to um, rack up some park run course records and um, just keeps chipping away like the ever-consistent Jess Dunsmore does. So great to see Jess um, still plugging away and... Um, uh, yeah, putting in some great, great um, running. Um, and then I just wanted to welcome aboard um, a couple of new uh, faces to the Run Culture Hours. So Jack Howell and Tom Jansen have just um, uh, started training uh, with the, the pack um, and they're, um, you know, coming every Tuesday and Thursday, both triathletes, both very promising junior triathletes. And um, we're trying to sort of work collaboratively with them and, and the rest of their coaches on improving their running um, and trying to keep them injury free. So, um, you know, it just adds, you know, a, a lot more depth to the squad. And um, I was, you know, running the numbers uh, about a month or so ago. And I mean, we have so many sub 16 guy, 16 minute 5k guys now, don't we Pete? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, Bevan being the, the latest one, obviously the yeah. Box Hill burn. All right. He's, that was just a dream race for him. I yeah. said to him the week before at Park Run, he's like, oh, I think I might be able to go sub-16 soon, hopefully. I said, but, well, the training you've done, you're in sixteen sub-16 shape. Yeah. Just go, just chase it. You've got it in you. Yeah. And then, yeah, you come out and run 15.34 and just blew the doors off his PB. Finished his last 3K in sub-9.10, which is quicker than he's ever gone over 3K. Yeah, and he did it the last three k of a race, which yeah, you just you never see. Yeah, and he looked so good when he did it. Like he's got that nice flowing, um, beautiful stride when you look at his legs. Um, yeah, so yeah, so much potential. I just am wrapped with how the squad's going and and how it's growing organically over time. Pretty excited um, for winter cross country training. Uh, we've already had a Tuesday a couple of weeks ago um, where. Um, you know, we jumped in with Mattress and a few of the guys that he's coaching um, and and then Gemma was there and, and the girls that she runs with 
Um, and yeah, we would have had about 15, 15 um, bodies um, just running around uh, Narambi Park in Mornington on a Tuesday night. So I hope we can have many more um, nights like that this winter. And um, yeah, we just keep uh, working together. And I encourage, you know, all the other running groups across Australia to be doing the same because, um, um, you know, it just helps... Um, makes it fun um, socially, adds to it. But it, you also run better and feel like you get something more, something more out of it. It's easier to stick to um, your training. Um, so, yeah, pretty excited about how the group's going. Yeah, it's, it's so good to see it grow and everyone, like, continue to improve. Like, Bevan's breaking, like, 16. And, like, the half marathon guys taking big steps and debuts. And yeah. Like they're just different athletes now, and I think it's a testament to how well we're bonding together, and everyone just feeds off everyone's energy, and yeah, we all want to, and we're all willing to give up our own races as well to better someone else in the group, and that's yeah. the key yeah. aspect of what we're trying to do, and yeah, and like you say, we got um we got Jack and Tom that just joined the group, and yep. two really talented triathlete juniors, and cool to see that dynamic of how they fit in with our group and how their um, other disciplines go like the swimming and cycling kind of fit in and yeah yeah it's it's good we're mo- definitely moving in the right direction and yeah like you said we um we want to promote that like people just you don't have to do it solo yeah like that's such a misconception yep. around the sport in yeah. australia we want to yeah. I want to show that, like, just get groups together. Yeah. In your town, in neighbouring towns, just, like, find people that you can run with because, like, that's the key to success. It's not one person makes a team. Everyone, everyone in a team can work together and better everyone around them. Yeah. Um, and perfect case in point, Pete, was just seeing, uh, yeah, Cliffy and Roger and and Philo and Co in action um, over the weekend. Kim Logan was on the scooter, videoing and cheering. Sam Harding, um, another member of the group, paced for five k, um, and you could just see how much each other's performance meant to each other. They were all just all in uh, for each other, and um, that just yeah that whole. Um, social aspect where you know everyone cares about everyone's performance um just creates so much momentum and energy and um positivity and that just feeds into um yeah everyone sort of sticking at it and just growing so it's yeah i've I've seen it um firsthand with the physio trips uh the three physio trips that i've done with that group um over in america um and they've just got yeah so much um positive energy and um such a good sort of team team dynamic um and yeah i just um i think that's important um for everyone to hear so if you are sort of um you know struggling and you are running you know a fair bit by yourself then you should start you know checking out on strava or or looking looking um going to your local park run and and just trying to connect and network um because i think um yeah 
like you said, Pete, um, running's often thought as a solo pursuit um, and an individual sort of sport, um, but it, it so isn't, and it's so much more than that. Um, uh, yeah, it's um, a lot of the training and, um, and, and a lot of the running throughout the week. There's so much camaraderie, and um, it's so much easier when you've got people to, to rely on or who are relying on you um, uh, to sort of um yeah keep turning up and then um you share in each other's successes and failures and hard times and good times um and you ride the ups and downs together and it just um when someone's going down uh, the other person lifts them up um and then when you have a good time you've got someone to share it with because they understand the toil that you went through to get there uh so yeah couldn't agree more yeah yeah I reckon that's um, a great note to, to finish the podcast. Um, we've chatted for more than enough. Um, so we'll probably catch up um, maybe just after the Gold Coast Half Marathon, Pete. Um, and we'll get a few of us on, um, get Jess on as well. Um, and we'll probably just run through um, how the re- rest of the squad's going at that point. So in 10 weeks' time. Yeah, because um, I think a lot of the squad or um, people we train with are playing on Gold Coast and yeah. I think, frankly, half of yeah. or most of Victoria's plan and yeah. the Gold Coast has been the, yep. the goal this year. Yeah, just a good excuse to get away and um, yeah, escape the Victorian winter. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right, mate. Well done. Thank you.